the name of Emmanuel, amen. That passage that was just read is taken from the opening verses of Paul's epistle to the Philippians, an epistle that has oftentimes been called the epistle of joy. And that's an apt title, because the term joy, in its noun or verbal forms, appears 16 times in this letter. And yet there's at least one commentator who contends that another term better summarizes the theme of the book of Philippians. This commentator is Ralph Martin by name, and he contends that the central theme of Philippians can be summed up in the word koinonia. Koinonia, word frequently translated as partnership, fellowship, communion, sharing in. And we see that already twice in these short verses of our text. Once in verse 5, where Paul gives thanks to God for the Philippian Christians and for their koinonia, their partnership in the gospel. And once in verse 7, where Paul affirms his affection for the Philippians because they are sun koinonoi, that is, sharers, of grace. The word is used there twice, a very prominent term. Now, of course, the precise definition of this term varies from context to context. But frequently in Paul, and I would contend here in Philippians, it essentially means a sharing in something with someone. In this text, we are told that what is shared is the gospel. Partnership in the gospel. It is grace. You are partners of grace. But the someone that Paul shares this with, quite obviously, is the Philippian Christians. He has koinonia with them. And the reason is because of their support and care and love for him in the gospel mission. We know that they supported him financially several times, giving joyfully and lovingly of their financial resources for his mission. We know that they had concern for his well-being, especially now that he was far away in Rome, imprisoned. And not only his well-being, but the well-being of his associates, like Epaphroditus. But probably most importantly, why Paul shared koinonia with the Philippians is because they held firm to his teaching. They held firm to the doctrine, the gospel, and put it into practice in caring for one another, loving each other, and sharing the joy of the Lord. Koinonia, Paul and the Philippians. This sharing, this partnership, this communion. And not only between Paul and the Philippians, but between the Philippian Christians themselves, amongst them. They were of kindred spirit. There was harmony. They were of one mind, one heart, one spirit. And don't our hearts just pine for such koinonia? Don't we just long for such kindred spirit, harmony, unity in the Lord? And yet it is so frequently absent from our lives. Instead of koinonia, we face isolation. 
That so oftentimes is our experience. And it's becoming more rampant in our society today. And very eminent sociologist several years ago wrote a book entitled Bowling Alone. And his contention was that our American society is becoming more fragmented and people are becoming more isolated in their relationships. And one case in point that he gave was that people are doing things separately, independently, what they used to do in groups corporately, such as bowling alone. This is something that we experience even in the church. And I think this was made manifest to me several years ago as a pastor in central Illinois with a particular individual by the name of George. George wasn't a member of our congregation, but the associate pastor had made his acquaintance in the hospital. George was very sick with emphysema from having smoked all of his life. And he eventually got well enough that he could go back home, but he was homebound because he was connected to an oxygen machine, all alone in home. But we pastors continued to visit him on a monthly basis, even though he wasn't a member. And one day, about this time of year, my associate pastor was visiting him and just getting ready to leave when George said, before you leave, pastor, look at the wall. Look at that. Isn't it wonderful? The pastor paused and turned and looked at the wall, and there was a single Christmas card taped to the wall. And George said, go, look at it, read it. And so the pastor did, and he opened up the cover and read the words. They were just pretty much generic Christmas card words. But then he looked at the source of the card. It was a pharmaceutical distribution company. They had apparently been the ones sending him by the mail his drugs and pharmaceutical needs. Just a mass-printed, mass-produced piece sent out to thousands of people. And yet for George, this was his only Christmas card. Isolation. And even here, in this seminary community, and the word community has associations with koinonia. But even in this community, we live in isolation. I'm not just talking about you guys who are in that dorm room, that dorm facility uh, towards the east of campus there. But we live in isolation from one another so oftentimes. Perhaps it's because we're in an academic environment where we're competing with one another instead of trying to support each other and encourage one another. And I must confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I myself have oftentimes neglected making koinonia a priority with you. As a professor, I have my own projects and my own uh, priorities, my own agendas, And quite frequently, that does not include getting to know you and to be in a relationship with you and to show Christ's love to you. And I say that to my shame. It's because of my sin and my selfishness and my self-centeredness. But I contend that that is shared with you, that sin. That is one area in which we have Koinonia, 
very bad sense. We all share sin, self-centeredness, that alienates us from one another, and such sin alienates us from God, ultimately leading to our being isolated from him into eternity in hell. That's what we deserve for such sin. But thanks be to God, he has not remained alienated, isolated from us. He has sought koinonia with us. And not only has he sought it, he has achieved koinonia with us. That's what we celebrate in this season. Remember the definition for koinonia. This sharing in something with someone. And God has come to share in something with us, with you. What is that something? First of all, He has come to share humanity, flesh and blood. It's what we celebrate at this time, the incarnation. God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, communing with us, having koinonia with us. But not only that, most mysteriously and most wonderfully, God has come to share our sin, our sin, and its consequence, death. The writer to the Hebrews says, Since the children share in flesh and blood, Christ also partook in the same, so that by his death he might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were subject to their fear of death. That's you. That's me. Because Christ shared our sin and shared the death that we deserve, actually took that upon himself, we are now free. We are forgiven of that sin. And there's one more wonderful gift that God shares with us, and that is his righteousness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting men's sins against them, God made Christ who had no sin to be sin for us in order that through him we might become the righteousness of God. His righteousness shared with us so that the righteous holy God may have communion with the likes of us. That he might have koinonia with us who are declared righteous for the sake of Christ. No wonder here in these words of Paul, he celebrates the koinonia, but it is koinonia in the gospel. And we are partners of God's grace. It's God's grace that makes this possible. And not only koinonia in the vertical dimension between God and us, but koinonia in the horizontal dimension with one another. Thus Paul could say, I have koinonia with the Philippian Christians, even though he was hundreds of miles away in a prison in Rome. The bond of the Spirit. And we share that bond as well in the church. Remember George, the one with the single Christmas card? This pastor associate came back to the church and immediately contacted people in the congregation, 
and rallied hundreds of people to write Christmas cards, personal Christmas cards, to send to George, so that his whole wall was filled with these cards. But it didn't stop there. The pastor then rallied and mobilized people to make regular visits to George, become caregivers to him, so that even at his deathbed, he was not alone or isolated. There was a community around him, those who were praying for him, those who were with him, so that when he died, he shared koinonia with God, because it was through their witness of love and the gospel that he had come to faith in the one who had sought him out and established koinonia with the likes of George. Koinonia. It's God's work amongst us. It's his work amongst us here at the seminary. In this community, too. Perhaps at no time have I seen that in a greater way than about a week ago with the ice storm. Faculty members and their families, students and their families were without power. And immediately, others in the community mobilized. Other students welcomed these families into their homes, apartments. The cafeteria was opened up so that food could be provided to those who couldn't cook. And we shared koinonia in those meals. It was a very, very rich time. And I'll never forget our president, Dr. Meyer, standing up on a chair during one of those meals and saying, Brothers and sisters, this is what the church is about. Indeed, this is what the church is about. Koinonia in the gospel.